Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Roller Roos Podcast, an increasingly more frequent Roller Roos. It's funny what kind of being trapped in your house for a quarter of a year will do for uh, your free time and what have you. Raj Baines, how you doing, mate? Uh, not too bad, Paul, yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm kind of... Uh... Sounds convincing. Well, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a funny state of flux at the moment. Mostly Spurs related. Um, mm. Being honest, like uh, let's let's just dive straight into it. So we're we're recording off the you know the back end of the nil nil with Bournemouth. There's a lot of takes takes as the internet likes to uh, supply us with in plentiful fashion um, about whether it's Enoch, whether it's Mourinho. Should he stay? Should he go? Should we get Potch back? Should we get Nagelsmann in? Just in kind of condensed to fashion as you can, mate, at the moment, what's your sort of knee-jerk initial response to what you're seeing at Spurs at the moment? Uh, the unconsidered, unthought-of version is to just pretend this season never happened, bring Poch back, and then go again next year with a few different players. Um, but I don't think that's the likely or, or you know, reality of of what's going to happen. But that would be my knee-jerk opinion. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, there's. I'm seeing because obviously Mourinho is gonna carry the brunt of a lot of this you know he's not he's definitely no longer the darling of the the football press um it's funny what mm-hmm. being an outward prick to a load of people that write about you will do for your kind of relationships <laughs> with them isn't it um yeah so I, I if i'm being if i'm being brutally honest again i do caveat all of this with i don't particularly like Mourinho. i get why we brought him in to a degree. Um, I'm not particularly convinced by what I'm seeing at the moment. However, I do think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who have agendas, shall we say, that are enjoying the confirmation bias that they're seeing with regard to Mourinho being a spent force, Mourinho being a dinosaur, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So much so that I think it's, Somewhat OTT. Um, I think you know there's a there's a there's a willful ignorance to just how bad you know 
basically Spurs were after Christmas last year um, under Pochettino. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, my, my knee-jerk, basically, in short, my knee-jerk is the nucleus of this squad no longer want to play for Tottenham. It's not about playing for Mourinho. It's about not wanting to play for Tottenham. I think the the tip of it where... Uh, we probably spoke about it on the pod at the time. The awkward and, oh, no, it's starting to unravel point of this was Rose and Walker, right? When when Walker fucked off, yeah. it was basically like, why wouldn't I leave? They pay me fuck all. They're going to win fuck all. They don't sign any big players. And then Rose went to the Sun and said pretty much exactly the same thing. And from that point, mm-hmm. we've seen kind of Vertonghen's form starts to fall off, but him obviously starts to look a bit disinterested. Alderweireld definitely, fuck knows what happened there, but people are forgetting that we've basically had him in prison for the past two seasons. Like it, There was something weird with him and Pochettino for Christ knows how long. So again, this kind of Mourinho's dropped him from the starting lineup. I don't really buy as a thing. Ericsson, we all know what's happened there. You know, Dembele, the club, cashed in on him. Kieran Trippier said as much in his interview. Trippier fucked off. I know he wasn't particularly, you know, a fan's favourite, but still, you know, the circumstances under which he left. And you would... I don't think he wanted to go, though. No, and you would consider him, like, a core member of that squad. Whether or not you rated him, he was the backup to Walker. And he was a solid... And And he wasn't replaced. Yeah, and... Yeah, he was a, he was a solid enough backup, really, to Walker. Um, yeah, but there, there was there were issues there. You're starting to see it now bleed into even the likes of Son. You know, wh- whatever people say about Son and Lloris, yeah, they shook it off. They're professionals. This sort of stuff happens all the time. Come on, we all, we all know what happened against Everton. That's not normal. That's that's not a harmonious, healthy squad. I, I appreciate, yeah, they're under pressure. They're all alpha males. They all want to, like, trigger the best from each other. But that part I imagine it happens every game behind closed doors, course, but it's not a, a publicly viewed thing. So there's obviously a rot there, but, uh, you know, I'm not willing to just... Because I just I think it's disingenuous just to say, this is all Mourinho. We get rid of we get rid of Mourinho, and I'm not saying that's what you're saying, by the way, but we get rid of Mourinho, and this all goes away. Um, but you know, it doesn't also mean that I think Mourinho is the man that's going to fix this and make this all right either. Um, no, I think I, th- I think you're right. I think if we if it was to give my non knee jerk opinion on the matter, it's it started to go wrong when we failed to invest for two seasons effectively yeah. and that was at the time the the short term gain of that was consistency and we saw that in the performances and the results but long term we effectively shortened the shelf life of that squad gave them uh, a very small window in which to perform and to win things which they failed to do um, and because we hadn't invested in the squad and then didn't after that as well, it sort of compounded all of those things. Yeah. And it was something that Pochettino was very public about in the press, his want to refresh the squad. I understand there was, um, you know, 
finances we needed to have for the stadium and everything. So that's a, a different concern and, and another thing that sort of the club had to take into account. And having, you know, we've been, both been there. We both know how good it is and, and how good of a job they've done on, done on the ground. That's not something we can really raise our noses at um, that or you know the training ground before it I think yeah. that the infrastructure of the club has completely changed and that's one thing that you really can't take away from the ownership or, or the management of the squad uh, of the um, club sorry um, but the management of the squad has been negligent and to the point where you know if you if you strip it back and think of it how they would in terms of not in terms of like players that we love and things but in terms of like assets and, and what have you. We have mismanaged our prize assets. Harry Kane's been gaining muscular injuries once per season for for long stretches because he simply doesn't have a backup and we've got no other option but to play him in every single game. And look, when we don't look play at the him of games we end he's up with playing now it's ridiculous. Yeah, after six months of not not having thing uh, not having played a game of competitive football, I don't I don't I'm not sure he's not been subbed off yet, has he? No, not at all. So he's played every second of it. So that's he. He's on a again. He's on a fast track to pulling something, and that's another six months of his career possibly down the bin. Which is, and it's a short career as it is, especially for the top tier talent. That'll be another thing that that is sort of playing on his mind because he he knows that he's got a very small window in which to succeed and be successful. But it's that that short-term gain that we got for those good seasons has now come back to bite us in the arse and there was always going to be yeah. a, 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 a sting in the tail, but that could have been managed by if we brought in two or three players each window and just had them in the back burner and had them rotating, they would have been ready to take over. Well, if I mean, Sessignon look, had come in a even, season or two before and what have you. Yeah, I mean, but if you look at even like, you know, Liverpool at the moment, they brought in a player like Minamino who's not doing anything at the moment. And they brought in Keita again, who's not really come in and made an immediate impact, but they're just there kind of almost incubating, getting used to like the Liverpool squad. And also what they do is they provide that kind of looming shadow, if you like, for current first team players as in like, well, I've seen that lad in training. Yeah, he's, he's not going to take my place anytime soon, but he's there and he's he's there for a reason. I think maybe they brought in yep. Shakiri for a similar reason. He's whatever, got other things. But but on Spurs, I mean, part of the issue I see as well is that even if, okay, we had that window where we had to take into consideration, whether you like it or not, we took into consideration the fact that we were building a stadium. That takes a lot of money. The club simply don't have the resources to go out and spend X amount on a marquee signing, fine. Mm -hmm. But it's just, like you say, in terms of asset management, for as much as Enoch are lauded for their incredible business acumen, to me, yeah. it's, and this is totally bloke down the pub opinion, I know this, but if you're just looking at it in a layman's sense, it's just such poor business sense and it's such poor yeah. business asset management to not even then think, well, okay, we're not signing new players, but let's at least refresh the squad. Let's give Ericsson a big new contract. Let's give Alderweireld the big new contract. Let's not get these players who are, to be honest, a collection of world-class players that Spurs probably haven't seen in such a concentrated fashion ever. Why are we driving them to the point 
of going to the fucking sun for a clandestine... What, and whatever people want to say about Rose being outspoken, he was obviously speaking on behalf of a number of players in that squad that had been driven to a point of feeling like, well, I'm seeing this chairman post out these smug open letters constantly about record profits, about the club being so frugally won, about attracting tier one you know, insurance brands from... Christ knows where in the world that are investing multi-million pound sums, NFL deals, so on and so forth. Yet, I'm still getting paid 50 grand a week, whereas I'm seeing somebody who plays for a club like fucking Stoke or something earning more money than me. Like, I, I just I just cannot begin to get on board with that. Like, as you say, short-sighted vision from... That it's just a, it's just such a, it's almost like a lack of emotional intelligence to understand our players as people as well, who mm-hmm. uh, who know their own worth and know what they contributed and the sweat and the toil that they put into alongside Pochettino, making making our club so much better and so much more, you know a proposition that is worthy of all this investment that we've seen create this incredible infrastructure. And, but I just, I, I just think on a very base level, the board have just had such hubris. They haven't realized that this is of course, what's going to happen. What we're seeing now is what's going to happen. If you don't manage, at least if you don't get your ship in order, because if this, if, if results carry on the way they are, and if we keep losing players and not reinvesting, like fuck, is that stadium going to be full? Like, yeah, it's just not, you know. Well, it, it, that's the thing now. At this point, is they they've got to keep up appearances as well, and they they literally can't afford to have this level of performance. They've they've become reliant on having a successful on field operation to. Um, feed into what their off-field concerns are, and there's a couple of things that you just said there, and and I think hindsight's twenty twenty, but there's there's a couple of things that we could have done completely differently. You brought up sort of all the world and Ericsson and giving them big new contracts. I think the opposite was was um, possible as well. As soon as we realised they wanted to go, we could have got twice the amount of money for both of them than yeah. we might have done right towards the end, and that could have gone back into buying two or three new players or. If we get paid 60, 70, 80 million for Ericsson, which he would have been worth at his peak the second he wanted to go, that's that is the money toward a marquee signing or straight away a marquee signing of their own calibre. And we could have done that. We could have spent that straight on a Bruno Fernandez or or something of a similar ilk, brought in La Celso a couple of seasons earlier or something like that. And we would have been well on our way to refreshing the squad periodically. I think we because of the overperformance of that squad under Pochettino, we became reliant on miracles, and that is not a position in which you want to be in because that's unsustainable. Yeah. We always knew it was unsustainable, but you get caught up in it, and I think we as fans were just as culpable as the ownership were because we we were enjoying the success, we were enjoying the football we were playing, and we didn't want to let that go. And I think because we're so unfamiliar with that and because we're such a sentimental fan base and club in general I think more than most others I think you know Liverpool they do the this means more and everything but I think when it comes to players and when it comes to squads and things I think 
Spurs is, I don't know what it is about us, but we tend to we tend to either hate somebody or love them to the point of it being perhaps a little bit overall even. And this is only something you see in hindsight because when you're in that moment and when you're in that that bubble, you you, you can't see the wood for the trees. That's that's just where your mind is. And I think had we been less sentimental and, and just dealt players and dealt in the market a bit more sort of shrewdly and, and sort of cold-bloodedly, we might have been in a better position than we are now because even in those heydays, even when we had Rose and Walker at the very best and that last season at the lane and everything, we only ever had 11 good players in terms of we had a very, very good first 11 and everything below that was not even one tier below but several. The drop-off was was huge and it was it was one of those situations where if two or three of that first 11 were missing, you you noticed it. If it was one, then we could just about manage. But if it was several, then we couldn't. I think the, the Dembele point is separate as well. I think I genuinely think that was a mercy sale. I actually think the club did right by him because he wanted one last big contract. Yeah, and. His body, had, his body had abandoned him, and I yeah, think he admitted yeah, he was as broken, much. Wasn't he? He was totally broken by the end. He wanted to go play in a slow league where he could go earn a few, uh, you know, a few coins before he had to inevitably retire. And I think, I think he could have put. He probably gets what three seasons in China out of probably half a season in the Premier League, <laughs> if you think of the sort of the strain on his body and what we're expecting of him, because he was so relied upon and, and such a, a fulcrum of the midfield and the entire team. That was a pressure in itself, and I think he just he couldn't do it anymore, and he knew he couldn't do it anymore, and we just let him go. And I, I don't, as nice as it would have been to have him there until the end of that Champions League season, I think we would have been nice if you know, we could we just loan him the, back for the final, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I, I think we effectively put the curtain up and and you know shot the horse with the broken leg on the track to <laughs> be nice to it. You know, we sent yeah. him to China to be turned into glue and. Um, it's just it's one of those things where we knew this was going to happen at some point. We knew it wasn't always going to be the case that we were as good as we were at the very peak of of Pochettino. And the unfortunate thing for Mourinho, because I'm I'm not one of those people that actually hates him. I've got a begrudging amount of respect for him. He's not my favourite type of person in the world. He doesn't play the football I like or things like that. But I've never been somebody who hates him because I, I, I kind of. I kind of see through the way he is in the press because I don't believe that's the type of person he is behind closed doors. Yeah. I think he's just, I think he has a very purposeful persona that he believes in in order to to portray himself in a in a, in a certain way to the world's the public. And with his squads, he must behave in a completely separate way. It's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise he just wouldn't be employed and nobody would ever want to play football for him and he'd never have been successful because this this sort of behaviour towards the press and the way he speaks and everything isn't something new. It's it's something he's he's done since we've become aware of him. Um and it was something that even before he was successful at Porto was you know, he was known as a spiky character even back in those days. So it's not as if this is a you know old grumpy Mourinho or something like that. I know he tried to say he was the happy one when he came back to Chelsea, but that was again a very purposeful thing after you know people had assumed he'd he'd become narky and stuff when he'd gone to Madrid and that. Um, but he, I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for him because he's come in at the very end of 
the cycle for this squad and I'm, I'm not sure he even knew how bad it was because it, from the outside looking in while he was at Man United trying to buy our players he would have thought oh look I've got this potential of talent here this will be brilliant the squad on paper is excellent well, but when he's come it, in and realised that needs a bit of like the final bit of juice ringing from it and we, I can probably get this lot in FA Cup isn't it you know? yeah but the, the batteries are dead like yeah. it, it's and it's not just dead now it's been running on empty for a season and a half so there's nothing to ring out of it and the and probably a new bloke coming in and trying to get an extra 10% out of you when you've already been given 150 for two years it's probably just going to put your nose out of joint even more and and just not going to be able to reach his levels so we're not even going to get that new manager bounce because the players have no bounce left right. and it's I- it's it, 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 this very uh, this very conveniently leads me onto uh, a little exercise. I've actually gone into uh, me and exercise. You know, it's not it's not two words that are often uh, closely associated. But and me and you both, mate. I've, <laughs> no, you're looking godly at the moment, mate. You're looking godly, so don't do yourself a disservice. Mm, you can be, be cringe afterwards when we've stopped recording. Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, well, <laughs> I've I've written down basically. Our, our pretty much our kind of squads to choose from, match day squad. And I just thought, because there's a lot of talk about refresh, overhaul, so on and so forth, let's just go through the players individually, just in short, in as brief as we can, and just pretty much pick out where we're at. Because it's it's quite obvious that we do need a wholesale investment, which we're not going to get. Um, but the entire squad at some point needed replacing two seasons ago and with four to six windows you can effectively buy two to three players each time and bit by bit redo the squad and it would have been those where uh, probably next season when it comes to the first team in August and we put the first team out people go there's only two players remaining from Tottenham's team in 2013 or something like that. You know what? You know when people do that sort of easy clickbait shit. But now we can't buy 12 players in a season no. or a window because that doesn't work. That's not how it works. It, they won't become homogenous. They will not gel, and it will. You'll effectively fuck yourself even harder because you've tried to do it all at once. And this is a. Squads and football, and especially at this level that we're trying to play at, is entirely cyclical and it has to be constant progression. Even in the face of playing well, you have to constantly progress. Look at Barcelona that always get it right, and they're they're just the example that comes to mind at the moment, but they will... They will roll the dice. They will buy Griezmann when they've already got Dembele, Messi, Suarez and whatever because he's younger and when Suarez gets older, he can slot in there or or when Messi might go, he's he's just there. And and there's a fine balance to strike because you don't want to become a talent farm and you don't want to have 60 players out on loan like Chelsea do and you don't want to have players as good as Leroy Sané not playing the way that City do. But you have to have a constant overturn of players. You have to be letting people go. I mean, 
Barcelona could have left, you know, Xavi and Iniesta. They could have tried to keep on hold of them a few more years and offered them some more money. But when Xavi says he wants to go to Al Ali and whatever, they let him go when he wants to go. And then they bring in uh, Frankie de Jong and they bring in new midfielders, uh, Aturo Vidal and stuff. They're constantly buying new players. And obviously their pockets are deeper than ours. But even at a club that successful, they're not trying to keep everything together at once. They're constantly progressing. They're constantly looking for marginal do, gains. Do you think part, and we, we haven't had that mentality. Part of the issue Spurs face, though, is that we're still not quite the club. And we've, I think we've probably run into this with getting a second foil for Harry Kane. We're still not quite the club that's attractive enough for a player to come knowing that he's going to be spending a lot of time on the bench and waiting for an opportunity. And a player of a certain quality is what I mean by that, um, that is going to come and be prepared to fight for a place. I still think we're I don't think we're that... far off now. No, we're not, we're not far off, but I still think we have been for the past years on that precipice whereby... I think the difference is I don't think it's the perception of the size of the club. I think it's the wages. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's that definitely a big part of it as well. Yeah. If somebody's going to go sit on the bench at City or PSG or Real Madrid or something, they're still going to get paid two hundred grand a week to do it. So that'll make their mind up but, for them. But I think we found um, exactly that, like a, a prime example of this is somebody like Ross Barkley, who I think yeah we were kind of in for, but it was like Potts was like, well, he's not going to walk into my first team, but. Yeah, great. Let's get him in and we can have him about the place, if you like. But he's obviously been like, mm-hmm. well, I'm getting offered double the money to do the same thing at Chelsea, who, to be honest, probably still, even though they don't look as good as Spurs at the moment, are probably, yeah. uh, and I'm talking about at the point of us signing, potentially signing him. Mm-hmm. In the long run, I've got more chance of winning something at Chelsea. I'm going to get paid a lot more and I'm not going to walk into the first team. Why would I go to Spurs? You know, and that, I think that's yep. the issue we face. But if we're talking about Tottenham now being a type of club, and this is this is the point that I, I, you know, I get when people say like this player, for example, Hoiberg. Yeah, great, very solid player, so on and so forth. He can come in and we probably need a player like him, a disciplined, positional kind of defensive midfielder that can just allow Lachelso and Dombele, Winks, whoever else, more freedom to play. But yep. we're, we're talking about like... We haven't had a specialist defensive midfielder for years. No. Since Wanyama. Oh, please don't. 16-17 Wanyama, man. I cry thinking about... How good we had it with him. Have but. I ever have I ever on this podcast run you through my um theory that we've got a defensive midfielder curse? No, please do. Take the stage, mate. Wilson Palacios. Yeah. His brother got murdered yeah. and then he never recovered. Um Sandro constantly crocked. Yeah. Well he had that one massive Scott injury that basically almost literally ended his career, didn't he? Well, I think it effectively has because he's not playing anywhere of note. He went to QPR and then hardly ever played. What, um, it was like something horrendous, then, like a blood clot that made his legs swell up or something, wasn't it? One of those type of I've things. no idea, but he, he he had something where he just constantly he, he he was the best defensive midfielder. You remember the Gareth Bale season, the one where he went to Real Madrid? Yeah, 
Well, Up until Sandro got injured, he was our best player that season, right. even better than Gareth Bale. Sandro AC Milan away, mate. Like, you know. And that was like his first breakout performance as well before he even became decent. Yeah. But yeah, he, he had that. Scott Parker was right at the tail end of his career, so I'm not sure that counts because there, were, there was effectively two seasons where he was just Scott Parker and that was about it. He, he did what he needed to do for two seasons. He wasn't really a, a big investment. Victor Wanyama's had massive injuries. Um, Moussa Dembele, massive injuries. Just, I can't think of a defensive midfielder we've had that has actually managed to stay fit. Well, I mean, even Eric Dyer, mate. A decade. Eric Dyer was a very, very, like, people are very revisionist, in my opinion, as to... He was brilliant for a couple Dyer's. of years. Eric Dyer was brilliant. He was a brilliant player. Like, you know. And didn't he, hasn't he effectively, like, up until now, just kept on having, like, illnesses that he couldn't get over rather than even, like, Appendici- injuries. Is it appendicitis or something like that? I yeah, think. he had his appendix out at one point and then he kept on getting, like, just severely ill. Yeah, related to that, I believe. Like, it's, mm. uh, you know, yeah, it's sound and it's it's such a crucial kind of, position and function within a sort of team that wants to play this expansive fluid football like every, Tottenham do. Every big modern club has a specialist defensive midfielder and we have been unable to. Yep. So if we if we're looking at Tottenham as a club that wants to essentially now if if you're looking at challenging for the title, the bar has been set as such now that you're looking at Probably ninety-five plus points. I would say now is what you're what you what you're going to have to aim for. That's what you're, you're allowed one for loss now. a season. Yeah, it, it, you know, and that's about it. If we are looking at Tottenham being a club that is as we were 15, 16, 16, 17, not so much seventeen, eighteen, <laughs> challenging Ch- again for top honors, and we going down our squad like I'm okay. So. Start on Lloris. At the moment, for me, like if if we're looking at now rebuilding Mourinho, what's a priority? Where do we go? Lloris is somebody that he will need replacing, but is he urgent yep. yet? No, but we should be buying his replacement already. We should have a Paul Lopez sat in our playing the odd cup game and coming into the squad to learn off him and, and learn the system and, and everything now so that he's ready to take over when Lloris gets old and we can sell him back to Nice or wherever he wants to end his career. Um, because he, he's not, because of his physical attributes, he's not going to be one of those goalkeepers who plays until he's 40 like Buffon. Because, no. Well, he might play until he's 40, but he's not going to be good until he's 40 because his pace will go. For example, that save he made last night, one-on-one, it's purely because he's so quick off his line and his reactions are there. And as soon as that pace goes, he's going to be a massive liability. And as much as I love him and as much as I think a lot of the criticism he gets is unwarranted because he makes as many miraculous saves still as he does Ricks, he does need... He needs a better second study because both Gazaniga and Vorma wank and we need somebody who is going to be capable of taking over. But then it's also like that backup then needs a, a decent backup as well, you know? Um, Hopefully, we've got somebody in the academy who's worthy of being a um, uh, sort of a, a third keeper who just doesn't play. 
I honestly think as long as I've been a Tottenham fan, we've always said, maybe we've got an academy keeper, it'll be all right. And we've Yeah, we've him. never had a good academy keeper. I don't. No. It's one of those really hard things. I think you get one every, like, maybe 20 years. Even, like, Man United have never had a good academy keeper until now. It's only Dean Henderson that's come through. And even he looks a bit dodgy anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like He's, he's having a good season mm. at Sheffield United, but I still think at that top level he's... Yeah. I don't know, maybe. That's harsh, though, he's very young. Um, so yeah, yeah, goalkeepers are really hard to, to judge who come through because yeah, they usually, yeah, yeah. they're either like a come through at a lower league club like Joe Hart did at Shrewsbury or they're foreign and foreign goalkeepers tend to be better than the English ones for some reason. Oh, mate, come on. Don't, don't, all right, don't start all that, yeah, fella. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Serge Aurea. All right lives back. matter. <laughs> what did you say, sorry? Fuck's sake. Right, Serge Aurea. Yeah, he's an absolute idiot. I to me he, he my knee jerk he is honestly I I get he's got plenty of positive attributes whatever but overall as a complete package I would honestly say relatively speaking he is one of the worst players I've ever seen at Tottenham honestly and I'm I'm talking relatively speaking relative to the club and our aspirations and where we are to the rest of the squad I just think he he's got is. no redeeming qualities either because he's, he's not a likable person crime. either. He's a he's just a <laughs> war crime from top to bottom. Like I, I cannot. Even get during Corona, him. he's been going out and getting his hair cut when he shouldn't, and not been like at all apologetic about it. He's just yeah, he's there. There is no redeeming features to him. It's not like he's an excellent footballer who gets away with being a prick because he's amazing on the field. He's largely shit on the field and an even bigger shit off it but I, I see this bollocks so the, the other thing is people say yeah well at least he can deliver a cross like fucking when you throw enough shit at a wall like he had so many exactly. chances last night and across this to be fair kind of lock, oh mate the one good cross in 100 that he does put in is an absolute pearl yeah, but there yeah, is 99 fine. wank ones to go with it and then people say, well, yeah, but, you know, he's got the athleticism to track back. Yeah, he does, but he'll track back and fucking foul someone. Or, <laughs> you know, he's... Give a penalty away. Or he's generally tracking back because he's not read the game sufficiently enough to see what's going to happen, and thus he's always recovering anyway. Bin, like, get rid. Um, what do you make yeah. of Matt He's not Sarans? intelligent enough to be playing football at this level. I, I quite yeah, like the look of the Norwich, lad. He looks all right. That's the type of signing we, we could be doing because it's affordable and it's there's uh, there's a high upside to that. But again, I'm not sure what Max Aarons does under Mourinho. Yeah. Um, because he's not been too sort of... He's not wanting to play Sessignon at all. So, and there's talk of him going out on loan even. So I'm just... That type of signing would have made me really excited under Pochettino. And I think there is still a hangover and a heartbreak and us not having gotten over that, which maybe we need to try and have a word with ourselves and actually do and, and and try and, you know, acknowledge that there's going to be some change going forward and, and that isn't our reality anymore. But, um, yeah, that is a signing that I, I would like to see and support. The other one I like from Norwich is that uh, Buendia. He's, he looks fantastic. He does he look decent, like, again, would, would be affordable. Um, kind of like a bit of a money ball signing, which I don't like saying because it is a bit wanky but um, he'd be brilliant he's not an Ericsson replacement but he fits in the systems that we play and would be happy to play the odd game on the bench he isn't going to exactly turn his nose up at being left out of a Champions League game because he's just come from Norwich who are you but yeah. 
Um, he's got to, but he'll play enough games in the Premier League and be good enough to actually perform and and, and sort of do. Because if he's performing in a shit Norwich team, then he's going to perform with better players around him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Davinson Sanchez. I, th- I feel like we're going to disagree on this one, maybe. I really like Davinson. And the thing with him is he needs his hand-holding. Um, when he plays next to Juan Foyth or uh, Eric Dyer, his hand isn't being held and he's not being talked through the game and then he becomes slightly erratic. Um, and I think that's his downfall. I think he, he's still young and he's very raw. I think he's got the physical potential and... Even the the defensive ability to be a top tier modern centre back, he just needs Toby or Jan next to him to keep him on a leash essentially, um, because his his performances are night and day when he is. His best performances for us have been when he's been between the two of them in a yeah. in a three because they can both almost keep him you know you know you know sat and steady. Um, but I really like him. I don't think he should be one that's on the for sale block at all, but I do think he needs to, and there is so much more potential for him to kick on and he could not do that. But I think in the right, right partnership and in the right system and in the right club, given time, he would be fantastic. And I'd hate to see him sold, um, you know, somewhere boring for him to then, you know, turn up at Juve or, um, Barca or something like that in, in two, three years and be one of the best centre-backs in the world because I think that's that's a distinct possibility. See, I think I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what you've said there. I disagree with you in the respect of you liking him because I don't particularly like him. Um, and I think it's it's not it's not disagreeing with you as such. It's more just that I think I'm probably less forgiving of that hand holding kind of thing i think i think to me it's it it just seems to be the 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 big red flags for me that i notice is that again it's often lauded that he makes brilliant recovery tackles but it's often his own ineptitude that's led to him making recovery tackles i, I it, it's it's so frustrating time and time again to see a center back who has so many qualities 
that, as you rightly point out, would make him a top, top tier centre back. Like, li- like literally, he could be like up there as like generational talent. He looks absolutely prime to be incredible, but he just seems to just criminally switch off constantly. Like, and ball watch, and also, I, I think one thing I would say that is glaring from his game is his aerial ability i think he's terrible in the air he seems to i'm sure i'll probably get pointed out that you know the stats that disprove me potentially but when i watch him he just seems to not win any headers at all i i I, and it just it just it he just irritates me It, it, it but it's more to the point that i just don't feel like you can never trust him. And I feel that those top-level players like Alderweireld, because you've seen Alderweireld snap at him a few times when they've played together. I think for them, it's just as unsettling to have to play alongside him and it affects their own game and their own concentration. But yeah, you know, he is still young and there is a lot of quality there. But to me, he's the type of player that unfortunately even if he does end up having that kind of Salah, De Bruyne-style career rejuvenation, to me, he is an asset that we can potentially cash in on because he is a tantalising prospect for a bigger club than us who can perhaps, as we were talking about at the top end of the show, incubate him, give him enough room to kind of grow and potentially grow in confidence and learn from those players around him, unlike a club like Spurs, where, to be honest, there is going to be this baptism of fire where he's thrown in and then gets caught in a negative cycle of second-guessing himself and having his confidence completely knocked constantly, potentially like we've seen with someone like Wan Foyth, um, who has kind of been chucked in at the deep end and been crucified for the mistakes that he's made. Because I, I, I kind of see them as quite similar in a way. Like I, I see their kind of like qualities and frailties, if you like, in an, in a very similar thing in that I think both physically they... I look at Foyth and Sanchez and I think, fuck, that could, be, that could have been Jan and Toby going forwards. Were it not for the yeah, fact. That, that's that would have been the the yeah. ideal. Yeah, but I just in a way I just feel that they've both been almost damaged by again what we've seen at Spurs in terms of like a lack of proper investment, having to have them thrown in, the wages issues that we see around Tottenham. That I just I, I don't know. To, to me, Sanchez is a player that I just think will always frustrate at Spurs and. I I wouldn't be against because so, I don't th- I don't think he's shit. This is the thing I don't think he's a bad player. I think I think though we've got bigger priorities to bin off and um, and replace. I think it's one of those that we we look at in a season or two at changing, or if we do get an unreal offer for him that we profit on and can then reuse to buy somebody else, then we. Um, then we look at doing it because I'm, I'm not sure we can sell him and replace him with somebody as good or with as much of an upside as he potentially has. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern for me because I think we need to be doing this fantasy scenario where we're the director of football at Spurs. I think he's he's one that I keep on my books 
for now yeah. because I, there's more people I need to get rid of and I want to limit the amount of transactions I'm doing in bulk. Fair. Eric Dyer, I mean, I'll jump in straight away for me. Squad player. Like, he's he's very good. He's not great. He's played all right in defence since he's come back. We've seen errors from him, but we know those exist. I don't think he's terrible. Don't think he's very good. He's our whatever John O'Shea, you know, and that's that's it for me. Really. Well, I think that's somewhat disrespectful to John O'Shea, to be honest. <laughs> Pete, John O'Shea. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I think he is. I, th- I wrote something very early on in his first career where he had played centre-back, right-back, midfield, and I said he needs to pick a position and stick to it or he's going to become a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. And that's exactly what's happened to him. Yeah. Because he's not a good enough centre-back to be a, a starting centre-back. He's apparently doesn't want to play midfield, which was his best position for a time and where he showed his most potential. And I'd genuinely hate to see him at right-back now, which is where he actually made his debut for us. So... I think he's kind of been hamstrung by his ability to play several different positions, and if he's going to dig in and, and pick one, he should have done it years ago. Um, I think and if he had done so years ago, then he would have probably been sold, to be honest. As as we sort of said at the top end as well, I do think there is that caveat that injury has played its part with Eric yeah. Dyer, and he's unfortunate in those circumstances. But, you know, it is what it is. If we're looking at where we're at now, it's, you know, mm-hmm. he's a, like as you say, he's a... He's a jack of all trades, master of none. He's a squad player, and um, yeah. and apparently in the um, in the press today, he's asked for double his wages. So with that in mind, I'd um, uh, possibly I, I, be tempted I mean, to let him go. I, I I like him. I like him as a, as a, he seems like a decent human being. I think he's a. Decent I like him, player. but Jack, going back to that point about sentiment I made, if we're if we're going to start treating Tottenham, if we're going to yeah, start acting yeah. like the size of club that we want to be, then we'd fuck him off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Toby Alderweireld. Toby, I'd keep hold of. Uh, he's just signed a new contract. He's still good in the right system. I've always felt that his peak seasons were slight, not overrated, but I think too much was made of them. And I think I, I only say that because I think too little was made of Jan Vertonghen's part in that. Definitely I think he agree. was he was massively disrespected during that period. I think Jan Vertonghen I think is always the, disrespected by Spurs fans and just in general. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd agree with that, but I, th- I think yeah, I think he's. We keep hold of him because we need a senior yeah. centre back. It's one of those positions where you need a, a senior player in that position. And he signed the contract. He's tied down to the club, and he is a very good player in that position on yeah. his day. So we 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 keep hold of him. He's still got that aura about him where he st- and you know, being brutally honest here, I I, I did kind of like the idea of Mourinho maybe writing off this season and trialling Sanchez and Dyer. You know, he, he sort of alluded to it himself, saying, I was trying to build with the future in mind kind of thing. Um, yeah. Trying to But saying that, Jack, when, when I saw the um, saw the team sheet last night and saw it was Toby and Jan at the back, I felt eminently more confident. Uh, this is exactly what I was, I was going to Then I did when Dyer and Sanchez. It was like the tail end of Ledley King's career, right? Even though we knew he was cropped, yeah. the second you saw King's name starting on the team sheet, there's a, there's a, it's like you've gotten under a duvet. Do you know what I mean? You're just yeah. like, great, cool. That's 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 sorted, you know. And yeah, yeah, I feel that. And that's you know moving on to Vertonghen because it's 
sort of bleeds one bleeds into the other, so to speak. Um, for Tongan, I'd I'd happily I I completely get now his his legs are gone. He's not the player he once was, but I'd happily give him another year contract if he wants it. Give him another two years because I don't think it hurts to have players like him about the place for an FA Cup game, for a League Cup game, for players like Sanchez to learn from. If we are holding on to a player like Sanchez, he seems yep. like a smart, switched on, as you say, elder statesman of the club. And maybe the type of player, really, that if we're to forensically look back at the Pochettino era, Pochettino probably lacked around the place. You know, a hashtag about the place. But, you know, yeah. for younger players, for the next generation, for whoever comes through Dennis Kirkin or Harvey White, so on and so forth coming through to learn from. I want them to be learning from players like Jan Vertonghen, experienced yeah, veterans I would, who have been there and done it with Tottenham, you know? Yeah, I would agree, but only if he's happy to play that role because I have yeah. the inkling that he's not. And Maybe if not, not, then I would happily, um, I'd happily grant him his yeah, of course. Yeah, return yeah. to Ajax for two three years to go and be end his career where he wants to end it and have two three brilliant years there rather than having two three mediocre what? years at Spurs because I think he's given he's given his service to us now he was here when we were shit as well um, and he's he's been through this period and the Sherwood period and I think that's enough credit in his bank to let him go and I think he'll go with best wishes and he'll, he yeah. will always be a legend to me oh absolutely um, no, he should, he's one of the best defenders we've ever had I'm sorry he is yeah He's the the man. Yeah. He was majestic. He was he's an, mm-hmm. an incredible player, an incredible player. And he still he still was in moments in that that Champions League run last year and stuff. He he was an incredible. Look at that um, Dortmund game. He was the home yeah. game. He was like a man possessed. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think he genuinely cares and has affection for the club, and and that means a lot. And um, yeah, even though I've made those points about sentiment, I think it would be one where. If I genuinely was the director of football in in uh, Spurs, I'd I'd need to sit him down and look in the whites of his eyes and go, look, this is the reality of the situation. Do you want to be the old man about here and help us move into the future, or do you want us to let you go so you can be Billy Big Bollocks at Ajax or something like that? Because he could, if he went to back to the Ever uh, what's it, Eredivisie or whatever it's called, Eredivisie, <laughs> go full Farage. Um, he um, or went to Serie A, then he'd he'd piss it. But I think Serie A is where just, he's got his. It, 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 according to various other Roma Inter, that I listen to yeah Roma or Inter, I think you know Inter like collecting all their players, don't they? Because I think he actually sees Ajax as the club after his next club, if legend okay. legend be uh, true. Um, ben Davies. Um, to me, I, I liken him to Eric Dyer. I, I, I see why a lot of people get frustrated with him, but I don't think he's as bad as people make out by any stretch of the imagination. He's versatile. He plays pretty well in this kind of system that Mourinho has where he's almost operating like a third centre-back and you've got Oria who's operating as almost like a, a solo kind of wing-back flying up and down with the defence kind of squeezing him. I think he's a fine player. I think if we if yeah okay we probably need somebody a bit more competitive and who can fly up and yeah. down the wing who can be a bit more ballsy but is I wouldn't even have him as our second choice left back I'd have him as our utility 
yeah. centre back slash left back. I, I think he's a body. Um, I don't think he. I think he had a much higher ceiling and potential than what he's currently at. And I think Danny Rose being as good as he was unexpectedly yeah. under Pochettino somewhat stopped his development, which is unfortunate for him. Um, because it, had he been able to play week in week out under Pochettino and get that fullback finishing score one on one with him a bit more, he may have been a bit better. But he's just he's solid and reliable, but he's not spectacular. He's yeah. not he's not going to be the best player on the park ever. I don't. I would be shocked if he was he'd ever been man of the match in his Tottenham career. Um, given that he he regularly was when he was at Swansea. Um, I just think, yeah, he's he's a solid body to have around the place. And I think given the type of bloke he appears to be, I think he'd be happy to just yeah. pick up his check and and do his job and, he's, and he's, stick around for a while. Exactly. He's a player of a suitable quality to be a top six, top eight now. We should probably expand that to squad player. I yeah. just, uh, you know, yeah, that's fine. But the, the problem is, the reason why he gets these pelters is because we're relying on him to be our first team kind of start yeah. week in week out and that's that's no fault of his own because no, he, he exactly. shouldn't be in that position he shouldn't be and that's again but when we're playing squad mismanagement yeah but when we're playing a league one team in the first round of the Carlin Cup or whatever it's called now Carabao Cup then yeah Ben you have your game or when we've got a game in Eastern Europe in, in a European game midweek and the group's already finished then yeah Ben you fucking jump on that plane and you do that mate but other than that <laughs> I don't want to be relying on him yeah Gedson Fernandez, I to me, I just keep it short. I, in I that, haven't formulated an opinion on him. I you have not seen him enough. I, I don't know what he does. My, I don't know what my, type of player my, he is. My opinion on this is this is a scandal waiting to happen for Tottenham. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> what do you think? There's money under the table or something? Oh, cr- I mean, this isn't a, a reflection on his ability or anything like that. I just think it's such a weird, an eighteen month deal from a for a seemingly pretty unspectacular footballer who happens to be... I think be... he was supposed to be the next big thing a couple of years ago and then he's gone off the boil. So it's, it's, the, the, the thinking for bringing him in isn't completely sort of stupid, but uh, yeah, it, it is weird. Yeah. It, it does remind you of the weird loan deals we've had in the past, like Paolo Lopez and what was the other one? I don't think it was a loan deal, but we had that third choice keeper for years, the Croatian Stipe, play close oh, or yeah. something. Just somebody yeah. who who's just randomly on our books for years and we never really get to know or, or have formulate an opinion on. I think he's another one of them. Yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? He's um, a young kid though, and he's got he's got the potential to be good if he ever plays a game. But I'd almost want to, I'd almost want to learn him out again. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't learn out, learn him. Yeah. Uh, right. Getting into some some uh, big ones now, mate. Musa Sissoko. Um, I think he's had his he's had his moment now. He, he at best he's a squad player, but I don't think he should be starting. And I know we've had this love affair with him after hating him and sort of lambasting him and, and yeah. you know stopping centimeters shy of wishing death upon him and things, but. It's nice that he's had that sort of resurrection and, and sort of come full circle with the supporters and everything, and, and I'm sure that's a good thing for him. But either if we're offered good money for him, I'd happily let him go because I think he's severely limited, and I don't want to. I don't want to see him start many football games anymore. Right? I think he he comes on and he sort of he does a job. He doesn't belong in the position he, he's currently playing in. He did well there under Pochettino and Oba performed there, but that's not where he should be playing his games and. and 
we we should be doing better than that. Um, yeah. And it's again, yeah. it's no fault of his own that he is playing as much. It's, it's nothing personal, but if we were to be cold-blooded and, and sort of black and white about these decisions and, and, and try and treat it as if we're maximising the potential of the squad, then if he's happy to sit on the bench and, and do the odd 10-15 minutes here and play the odd game here and there, hopefully on the right-hand side, um, then fine. But if he wants more than that, then I'd happily let him go. What I like about Musa Sissoko, because, um, yeah, everything you say there is sound... He's the opposite of Serge Aurier because he is eminently likable. Um, yeah, which I, I think does I, curry favour. He's as like because you know his his technical ability. We all know it is severely lacking, and I, I I feel that in games that we want to because it's funny. It's almost like I feel like a lot of people say save Sissoko for you know when we're playing fodder in the Premier League. But I I almost disagree with that entirely in the respect that like games where I want us to just go out, boss a game, control it. I don't really want to see Sissoko in those games. Where where I actually oddly enough like seeing Sissoko um, is it's basically playing against a team like Liverpool that is that is strict, that is disciplined, that is well drilled where we maybe need a bit of edge, where we need a bit of fight. And I think what Sissoko brings to the table is, and not even in the dog whistle racist way, he, he he's an athlete. Like, he is an athlete. He runs all day, but he's just got such a drive and he's got such a... I think, I think genuinely the lad has a lot of pride in himself. I think he... he he genuinely gives a shit. He gives a shit about being a professional and being seen as a professional. And what what I what I do think, what I do reject, that I do think falls into that kind of like sort of dog whistle shit is that he doesn't care that he's just there for a check that he's a because that that's not the player I, I don't maybe I thought it anecdotally at first with Sissoko because I didn't really get the measuring but I, I do think he's a guy that does care about what he's doing he cares about the team he cares about his teammates um and I think he is one of those players that will go out and run himself into the ground because he wants to win and uh, you know I think he's again yeah he's important to have about the place and I do think he can just be a bit of a a wrecking ball to teams that are well organized that are you know drilled and are coming for Spurs with a with a clear plan of intent you know and Sissoko just because he just he just runs at them he doesn't give he doesn't give teams or players time on the ball and he will chase back he'll surge forwards he'll penetrate sort of another another team's half and I like that about him what I don't like though is that he he is when he does penetrate that half and ends up in the and final does nothing third and is terrible. It. Yeah, exactly. And when when we want to control a game like last night, a, a, a team like Bournemouth that really you know we should be turning up to games like Bournemouth with all due respect, but we should be turning up calm, assured, knowing we can ping the ball about, pass it around them, play the game exactly the way we want to play it, dictate play and ultimately create our own chances and score. And I don't think we should be looking to, that should be that if we, if, without 
trying to take these games and, and be disrespectful to teams, we should be looking at that as an opportunity to boost our goal difference. Yeah. That could be a three to five niller. That's what Liverpool do. Without without I, uh, even yeah. getting into fifth gear. But that's what Liverpool do, that's what City do. You know, okay, right, yeah, that both of them will run into a Watford or a Southampton here or there. But still, for the most part, that's what those top teams do. And that's what we did for a short time, especially 16, 17, 17, 18 kind of window. It's what Tottenham did. And it's what we became used to under Pochettino, operating really with a calm self-assuredness of a big club. Oh, well, um, Harry Winks. I like Winks here. Just keep him. Right, he's, he's he's the best player of his version that we have at the club. Um, he's an effective midfielder and in the right system and with the right partnership around him, he's he's very good at what he does. I think he's not a Mourinho-type player and we won't see the best of him under Mourinho. Um, but yeah, I'd more than happily keep him. I don't have any issues with him at all. My my, my hesitation with... Because I, I agree, I, yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to see him gone I think he's again yeah he's versatile he's a he's a good squad player I like that he he's one of the few players in our fucking team and this is something I need to strongly put in bold and underline and maybe even change to red as a font color he's one of the few players in our team that can actually pass a fucking football that can seemingly play a decent crisp short pass because I, that, that's one of the major failings across our squad I see when I watch us play, is how poor yeah. our short passing game is. Even from very, very good players, seemingly. We just, but whatever, mm-hmm. that's, that's about coaching, about drilling. But my one issue with Winks is I, I seem to think that, like, there's something there, and I, I don't want to delve too far into mentality because ultimately you're not inside a player's head and you're second-guessing someone and projecting your own kind of theories onto someone's own mentality. But th- th- there is a slight concern with me that he plays better. Like, he bossed Real Madrid at Wembley and he even bossed Real Madrid away at the Bernabeu. And it seems to be that he's the sort of player that can step up and he revels in being an underdog but also the freedom that comes with that, knowing that if he doesn't have a great game or if he does get shown up, people will say, ah, you know, he was playing against Luka Modric, what do you expect? Games where I want to see Winks kind of dictate things, he doesn't seem to. Like, again, like games like last night where I think, like, just come on, lad. Like, be be the player that like you, you probably can be. He just seems to shrink away from almost wanting to take responsibility a bit. And I, 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 you know, I quantify that by saying I think that manifests slightly in his passing suddenly becoming a bit more shielded, a bit more guarded, a bit more conservative, as opposed to playing some of those more, again, hit not hit and hope, but penetrative blah, 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 passes that are a bit riskier, that maybe are trying to pick out a son who's making a run from somewhere. And I don't know. I think there's a very good footballer in there, but, you know, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. I like Winks. I'm just, I'm not sure his ceiling is as high as I maybe thought it once was. But again, you know, maybe it just takes the right type of manager to suddenly turn that around and he is. So who knows? And he has been very unlucky with injuries as well, I should say. Um, Gio Lo Celso. 
Uh, one of our better players. Just keep him and build teams around him. Yeah, 100%. Unbelievable. Unbelievable talent. He needs support around him, but brilliant. And Dombele. Actually let the boy play, man. I feel so sorry for him. I don't even think the fitness or weight thing's an issue anymore. Just actually let him play, let him be expressive and stop stop beating him down because he's even more than Sanchez, he's the De Bruyne candidate for us. He um, and looked, I really He looked unbelievable when he came on yesterday. Like he instantly changed the game in our favour. In that the start should, of that I tell you the half, reason why I don't think Mourinho likes him? Go on. He's fun. He's fun to watch, and we aren't fun to watch. Yeah. We haven't been for a while. It's not just a Mourinho thing, but Mourinho teams aren't regularly fun to watch. They're functional and they win, and there is, you know, enough trophies in his cabinet to sort of back that up as as being a, a reason to to exist. But he's too fun, and I think that kind of bothers Mourinho. That almost risk factor of the fact that he might want to ping a pass or he might want to try and dribble around a player and doesn't isn't going to just be functional he's he's going to want to be expressive it's something that maybe makes him uncomfortable and uh, that's not something that makes Tottenham uncomfortable because that's the type of player we like that's the type of football we want to play and exactly. I, I think he him and Lacelso in the same midfield with a proper defensive midfielder even, even Lacelso push further up if it was yeah, if Heuberg's there, if Winksy's there, if Dundumbella's there, I think that's a fantastic midfield. I think that's it. Streets ahead of what we've currently got. And if he's actually unleashed, and if even if it's like we play Heuberg next to Winks and we let Dundumbella just float in between the two of them or ahead of the two of them, perfect. Or Lacelso ahead, just further ahead than him. I think that's a brilliant combination. And I think that's what we should be aspiring to have because I think it's not just functional and not just better but it will create the type of chances that we need further forward as well because we're not creating chances we we get to the final third and now we're predictable and we're formulaic and that's not the way we should be playing football like in, in conversation with people I've been highly critical of Ndombele um, mainly about the fitness stuff and uh, I still like, you know, I'm I'm sort of caught in this place now because uh, the only thing I, I slightly disagree with is that I do think again, maybe the last, say, quarter of the match yesterday he was again blowing out his ass. But I'm sort of thinking, is there he's not of, played though, has he? Exactly. This is what I'm saying. I think there's maybe an air of confirmation bias in what I'm seeing there. But for me, like from what we've been witnessing post-lockdown from Tottenham and the way we play, seeing him come on at half-time again, it was just suddenly like a breath of fresh air. And it was like we were talking about, you know, you can you can try and over-intellectualise this stuff like with Alderweireld and Vertonghen, but you just know in your heart of hearts, your knee-jerk reaction to it was seeing Alderweireld and Vertonghen in the starting lineup. It felt good. And seeing Ndombele come on at half-time after that stale shite in the first half and seeing him actually start to ping balls around and, as you say, be fun, it felt good watching him. And you're like, you know what? This lad's fucking class. Like, let's, you know, let's just try and make this work. But my fear is it's it's just not going to happen under under uh, Mourinho, which is a shame. And I, I can probably see him going to Barcelona. And I was getting 
maybe someone in exchange. Who knows? Um, Deli Ali. Deli again. He's had his injury problems, but I think in the right system and the right manager, he'll 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 kick on. He's had a really tough year. Um, I think he's almost been a victim of his own success because we're expecting more from him. But he 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 did just burst onto the scene and and trying to keep that up under the pressure of injuries and under the pressure of expectation has, has been difficult for him. Um, I think he needs to play further up the field towards Kane. And um, but he's one of those players where he might not need to start every game but he's there for big games and he scores important goals and he plays himself into form and we kind of need to just time that form right because even this season he's shown that ability and, and shown that class and he is a classy footballer when he's on it but he just needs to be on it um, so I'm not ready to give up on him and I think he he should be a a pillar of the squad for years to come for definite really because he gets I I agree entirely uh, other than I think with me like Delhi is he's one of honestly he's probably one of my favourite ever Spurs players and I think the lad is again I think it, it, this idea that he's spent or he peaked too early is total bollocks I think I think the lad is forgotten by a lot of people and I think he is a generational talent I think he is just such a unique and brilliantly gifted footballer. I just worry that he started to stagnate at Tottenham. I, I, I worry he's one of those players in that nucleus of like, ah, I'm just a bit over Spurs. I think maybe he needs a change of scenery. I think wherever he goes, it could be a breath of fresh air for him again. And I, I, I could just see him reveling. I could see him like playing somewhere like City and just absolutely lapping it up and just suddenly having a sort of like the fire in his belly again. And like we saw when Mourinho first came in, you suddenly were like, fuck, there's Deli Alley. There he is again. Like, mm -hmm. he's unbelievable. Um, but I don't know whether there's too much water under the bridge or whatever. But if we're talking about Spurs who have no money and need to sell to reinvest, I might look at him as somebody who I say to, you know, a Bayern maybe or to a city, how much how much would you give us for him, you know? And maybe move him on and see if we can do it amicably and for the good of him and for the good of us in the long term. Like you know how we were talking Possibly. about. Possibly like, I don't with, think with we're Ericsson. there yet. But maybe maybe not, but I you know, I just kind of get that feeling with him a bit that it, I think it, it, I think it, he's a He's a player that needs to be coached in the right way, and I don't he think he's to going be to be loved, under the right? He, he definitely needs to be loved as well, and he needs to be acknowledged. And I think for... he, he really had that with Pochettino. Yeah. I think he was one of the hardest hit with Pochettino going, um, and I think his probably his, his first few performances after that were just probably to remind people and to show what he can do and to try and probably work off some of the guilt that Pochettino had been sacked because I think he, he was one of the first to come out and say that it's as much our fault as, as anyone else's that he's gone. Um, I think he really did take that personally and, and take that hardly. So, um, I, I just think... Lest, yeah, I'm, I'm let, not ready yeah, to give up on him. Lest we forget a player that we literally signed from, what, League One, who walked into yeah, the Premier League, who walked into the Premier League and instantly looked like one of the best players in the division. Like, he he's... He's he you know he's he's a generational talent he is and I just think he's a superbly gifted one and 
no, don't forget that. Um, even I've just said we should sell him, but <laughs> I'll give my reasons for that. Mm. Uh Son. Again, keep him. He's he's having a rough period at the moment, but he's had the odd period like this before where he doesn't score and stuff. And um, I can see him being one perhaps in a season or two that'll want to that will probably quietly start making noises behind the scenes about wanting to go because if not already he if not already yeah. But um, I try and keep hold of him this summer if we can uh, because we're not going to replace him with anything better. No, and definitely not. Um, he's in one of those positions where, similar to Bale's sale, um, we it's not a case of selling him and buying 10 more players that are going to make the squad better. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's probably more valuable to keep hold of him for a year because he's going to retain his value. And then if in a year's time we need to sell him to reinvest, then we can explore that possibility. But for now, no. And not to sound dodgy, and I, I understand it's a trope, but it's... In Son's case, it is very much an actual tangible real thing. His commercial value to the club as well is probably enormous. Yeah, massively. Massively. Well, not so. probably, and it's I definitely that, enormous. Uh, yeah. yeah. If, if I think the players themselves say that, you know, when they're on preseason tours and things, that the player that gets stopped the most and people want the most isn't even Kane, it's him. Yeah. So. I think if if you were to probably judge the players on commercial value, it probably goes Son and then Kane one and two. Yeah, probably. Wouldn't, wouldn't and then Ali probably third. Yeah. The, my only uh, the only thing I would say of Son is that, as we said with Ericsson and such, is that if this summer Son is one of those players that's like, oh, oh yeah, if I'm he's making massive that. noises to go yeah. out and he's unhappy, then yeah, we can flog we'll him while try we can and get, get hundred million money. for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Not just good money, I think serious money for yeah. Son. It, it would, it would, yeah, be eighty mil plus to to me. Like, yeah, yeah, at the very least. And yeah. if it wasn't, then it's a bad deal. Yeah, uh, Lucas Moura. He's a bench player. Um, he's a very good impact sub because yeah. of his pace, yeah. but he's limited. Um, I think we, again, sentiment comes into it because of what he did in in Ajax and and, and stuff like that. And, of course. Um, that is a factor, but he he should be starting games against Dross. So against Bournemouth and stuff like that, when we're actually in good form, then he can play because he will score and he will take the piss out of defenders with his pace. When he played, you know, Huddersfield at home last year and scored that trick, that's what he's there for. But he's not a starter in big games. He's not good enough. He's not technical enough. There's a reason why he didn't crack on at PSG or, or anywhere else. And there's a reason, without being disrespectful to ourselves, after PSG, he ended up at Spurs. So, yeah, I, I'd, yeah he, he comes on on the bench. He plays in he plays in, plays in more games than Ben Davies, but he doesn't start the biggest games and he's not relied upon as one of our best players because he's not. That's pretty much it. Nothing further to add. Nailed it. But what I would say to him is, is he's the he's the best version and level of substitute that Spurs can retain at present. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like he's he's still a quality player in his own right. But yeah, yeah like you say, he's he's a disruptor, isn't he? You know, he he can yeah. He he's he's the sort of player that there's still enough excitement there that if we are in a game like last night, for example. You get to like the seventy mm-hmm. fifth minute, 
and you see Lucas warming up on the touchline, you think, decent, he can, he can potentially do something here. Yeah, well, you know? well, that's the thing. When defenders have got an hour in their legs and he's coming on to bash them for a half hour fresh, then perfect. Yeah. But he's not, from the start, he's not going to get that, like, um, what do you call it? Um, he's not even as good as P. Aaron Lennon, for example. He's just no, not that. No, yeah, I'd agree. He's not. He's just not so, as disciplined even as, as Lennon was. No. No, Aaron Lennon was brilliant going back and stuff, and, yeah. and Mara's not. Crim- criminally underrated player again, Aaron Lennon. Oh, Aaron Lennon, yeah. Uh, mate, if, I could, if, if I could have peak Aaron Lennon in this squad, Harry Kane would be scoring 40 goals a season. Yeah. Brilliant player. Um, Eric Lamella. Oh, I'd love Eric. And this is probably one where sentiment gets best of him, but I genuinely love him. I think we should keep him because... Even a little short burst and stuff. He's he's playing in this when when Lucas Mora starts, Eric Lamella starts sort of a thing. But I want him off the bench. Even in big games, I'd start him here and there because he's gonna piss him off and he's gonna be disruptive and he's he's nasty and we we need some nastiness. And he clearly has some affinity for the club. He's not a type of player we have in anyone else. He's genuinely good as well. Like this is probably the best he's been while he's been at Spurs. He's Really good on the ball. He never gives up. His attitude is correct. I I really like him. Nobody's going to offer us amazing money to take yeah. him either. So I don't see it. As long as his wages aren't big, as long as he's not being disruptive behind the scenes, then he's 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 one to keep for definite. If he's he, a really good rotational knew, player. If he knew when to release a fucking football... He'd be a mm. majestic player. Like if he, if he knew, yeah, Eric. Shoot, once you've beaten, once you've beaten two it. or three lads, then yeah. you then you pass the ball. You don't need to beat the fourth and the fifth. You know, we've we've seen you already dribble. You know what I mean, like, yeah. Just yeah, just, but I I I do it. I I do have real admiration and love yeah. for him. He's and he's I agree. Hilarious. I just I like a player that fucking harries and gets stuck in as much as he does in the final third as well it's kind of he's he's like a tin pot he's like a poundland oscar that yeah chelsea used to have that sort of player that was dogged and a bastard in the final third but yeah, yeah. i just think oscar had more emperor like more quality ultimately obviously. speaking of oscar lamella might be one where he does get an offer from china at some point and yeah, he wants to go earn 400 yeah. grand a week then yeah fine yeah. you go eric but for right now then no, keep him on the books. Yeah, because he doesn't seem he doesn't seem displeased at his role in the squad, and his role in the squad is exactly what it needs to be. He's one of few players who is actually managed within the squad as he should be. We don't we don't have a lot to base uh, a strong opinion on this next player, but to me, Stevie Bergwijn is he's special. I think he's going to be a, a very 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 big player for Spurs. I think he's the early signs, at least to me, show that he's. He's got a spark. He's got something in him that seems fucking amazing. I'm very excited by him, to be honest. I think he's part of our best 11 at present already. I think him on the right, Son on the left and Kane down the middle is our best front three. Um, And I think he's versatile enough to swap sides with Son and even play in the middle occasionally. Um, I think his work ethic and his personality and stuff are exactly what we want. Um, and I think yeah, he's going to be a, a bit of a cult hero and stuff. And, and but he's got the skill and the ability to back it up as well. He's he's constantly impressive when he plays. Um, and given the price he came in for and sort of the randomness of that signing, 
that's the type. He is the type of signing we should have been making for four years now. And if we had, we wouldn't be in this position. But it's come four years too late. Yeah. But he's got a really high ceiling and he's coming at a good price and he's contributed from day one. And that's what we want from from incoming signings. And if we can, if we can keep up what we've done with La Celso, Bergwijn, um, even on Dembele to an extent, going forward, then perhaps we can paper over these cracks over the next summer and the summer after and the winter after. But it's going to take two seasons to get back to the point where we're actually competing next season. The focus is going to be back on getting fourth. I wouldn't even say higher than fourth. Fourth is what the aim should be. And, you know, that would be difficult against a Chelsea team that's heavily invested, a Man United team that has rediscovered its academy and... You know, City and Liverpool are shoo-ins for it already. Arsenal, yeah, yeah. I won't count in that. And but then behind that, you've got Wolves who will then reinvest again and are very good and, and could kick on once more. And you've got no idea about the surprise packages either. If if Carlo Ancelotti manages to yeah, get exactly yeah, Carlo Ancelotti managed to do something at Everton with the with his contact book, or you know, if Sheffield United kick on again because they're very good. They might have a shit season next year, or they might be, you know, another disruptive force. We don't know. Um, and this so is the thing, I think there's a lot of like derisory kind of well done plucky Sheffield United shit. I don't think those people are watching the same team. Sheffield United have been fucking brilliant this year. They're not just plucky yeah. and they're not they're well drilled and they play decent fucking football, man. Like they're a good side. Yeah. yeah. And if the and they're smart enough, Chris Wilder's smart enough now that he won't he won't believe his own hype and break the nucleus of that squad and, and it's not as if they play a system that people can can find out as it were they will cop the odd defeat and because they've essentially got championship and league one players but yeah. if they over the next couple of seasons they upgrade one or two players a year but carry on playing at the same level and carry on being coached at the same level they are then they won't be going anywhere in, in a hurry finally then big one mate mr harry kane Oh, I'd sell him. I don't think he's good enough anymore. He doesn't, you know. I think he peaked a few years ago, didn't he? Please don't. That's a piss take, by the way. No, Please don't. It, 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 it speaks for itself, doesn't it? He's, he goes when he wants to go. Other than then, that. we're thankful for every second we have with him on the field. Um, anyone who says any different or tries to pretend that we're better without him or anything is stupider than Serge Aurier, which is going some. Sitting it, you know, the thing is the the affinity I have for Harry Kane is I almost actually now just want him to get a big move, like in a in a well, weird. I, I've way. had that. I've had that thought process myself, Jack. Privately, I've not said it publicly, but I've kind of I've watched him in this team, and I kind of think, you know what, Harry, just go, and I'd yeah. really love him to. I want and him I to win him any second. To. Yeah. Because you, you know what it is? It's like it's it's looking at Ledley King and thinking, mm-hmm. fuck, a player of his... And I, I don't care, like, it's not a, a, a lily-white-tinted spectacle thing. Ledley King is probably the finest generation, uh, finest defender of his generation. Yep. And for the most part is going to be forgotten, you know? Look, if, if Ledley King had stayed fit, he wouldn't have been at Tottenham for as long as he was, and no. that's the long and short of it. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done what our previous captain would have done, but he would have ended up at 
Real Madrid with Woodgate or uh, Man United or something like that because they just would have paid the money that at that point Tottenham yeah. couldn't refuse and weren't in a position to refuse. And he would have been brilliant. He would have gone to one of those clubs. He would have become a stalwart of the England squad. And we would have seen his potential for, for what it was. He was, you know, if he was fit, then he would have probably gone to Man United before Ferdinand did and stuff like that. But it's just... Um, Instead, he's opening Sainsbury's for Tottenham. Yeah, it's it's really sad that and it's, it, it's, it, um, you know. it, yeah, it's really sad. But um, yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from, and I I do just want the best for the lad because he deserves it, and I, I want almost in the way where I'm kind of I'm secretly really happy that Gareth Bale's move went as well for him as it did. I know it's kind of sour now, but he's got what four Champions League winners medals to his name. Yeah. It, it. And so Kane you can't, can that. You can't argue it? with that. He needs he he his his career, what he's produced, what he's given to the sport, I guess, for you know one of a better way of looking at it, it he he just I don't know, his his mindset and everything, it is it's emblematic of dragging yourself to brilliance, you know? Um yeah. like you see you know he it's he deserves it. He just deserves it. On a human level, he deserves yeah. it. You know, the, he's often compared with Lewandowski for, for obvious reasons, but if you look at what Lewandowski did, where he was brilliant at Dortmund for a few years, won a few things with them, but then still got that move to Bayern. But he, I don't even think now, if you ask Dortmund fans if they begrudge him of all the things he's won with 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 you know Bayern and everything, whether or not they think that was the wrong move or hate him for it or anything. I think secretly the public go, you know what, fair fucks to him. He's brilliant and he's won everything he deserves. That type of talent deserves to win in the game. And I think... If it's not Arsenal or Chelsea, you know, do you know what, now... And I, I don't would, think it would be. No. It'll be... And I don't even think it'll be Man United now. I think it'll probably be abroad. I think it'd be Juventus or um, Madrid. Maybe even Barca. Maybe I don't think I don't think Barca would go for it, but Juventus on Madrid, I think, is probably where he'd end up. Like maybe if Poch goes PSG or something, maybe somewhere like that. Yeah, perhaps. Know. But I don't. I don't think he. I think he'd want to go to a league with a bit more prestige. Yeah. Um, I'd even, even as much him, as I would love to yeah. get paid a get paid a shitload to live in Paris would be my dream. But I I still um, wouldn't discount City. Maybe going for him. I yeah, possibly. I still think there's something there, and he, mate, he. I can't I, picture him in sky blue, but I could, I'm sure I'll get used to it. So at some point. many goals at City, he'd scored so. Yeah, can you imagine it, if Kevin De Bruyne was feeding him? Fuck me. Again, there's this, there's this ridiculously like, uh, to me anyway, overly intellectual take on Harry Kane and his legs being gone and this and that. The guy scores fuck loads of goals. There's only so many times we <laughs> can say it. If you give him an opportunity, he'll score a goal and. We're not creating op- decent quality opportunities for him. He's just not getting them at Tottenham anymore. That's why he's not scoring as many, but he's still scoring loads of goals, really, relatively speaking. Yeah. And he just, he oh God, he'd score so many. Or at Liverpool, if he replaced Firmino, he'd score so many goals. But anyway. Um, yeah, I don't want him to go to Liverpool. That would that would be distasteful. It'd be pretty grim, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, so there we go. Head to tail. That's a pretty good ranty, cathartic uh, 
Rotherish podcast because I don't really want to talk about us playing Arsenal this weekend because fuck knows. No, it's going to be grim, isn't it? Two shit teams playing shit football. Amazing. Yeah, and they just maybe seem like. I hope somebody puts two. If if Eric Dyer wants to put two feet through Gwendozi, oh, he's not. He's he's suspended, did he? Yeah. If Eric um, Lamella wants to ankle rate Gwendozi, then happy days. Do it. I'm not. He's a little shit. I don't really know what I can, you know, the other thing is like they've got momentum, we clearly don't at the moment, but again, Do you know, it's a Jack, this weird little weird season that we've got being played in stupid rules with five subs that is apparently going to become a, a ongoing thing with VAR that's wank and all this sort of shit, I don't even want to talk about the games because I don't look forward to them and I don't enjoy them, and it's yeah. not just because we're shit, it's because... Everything around the game at the moment is shit. There's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing enjoyable about this season of football. Sorry, um, isn't it? especially in the current form. Yeah, and I think it's like I say, it was a business decision to bring it back. And I think any sporting integrity or, or anything of that is has long since dissipated. And uh, I, I, I just don't see any value in it. Um, and that is genuinely just destroying my enjoyment of it. Even if Spurs were, you know. 20 points clear at the top of the league and that, it would still feel shit because nobody's there. There's nothing to do. It's just it's just empty. It's vacuous. It's Yeah, I don't enjoy it. It's glorified pre-season nonsense, but that's just my opinion. And it's a fine opinion and one I share. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been... It's been a pleasure, Raj. I think, again, like I say, I think that has been quite cathartic and... Uh, yeah. yeah, nice to, to bitch for an hour and a half. That's it. And uh, I hope you've all enjoyed listening. But, well, no, I don't really. Just. We don't care. No. We genuinely don't care. You're all pigs. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.